welcome to the FQ podcast uh, for the final episode, actually, and we're going to end on a bit of a bang with two of the best players that have come through the NPL Queensland in recent years, certainly, and have gone on to bigger and better things in the Hyundai A-League. Dylan Wenzel-Halls was a star at Western Pride, leading them to an inaugural premiership, or a maiden premiership, I should say, in 2017, scoring the winning free kick in the 88th minute. And then Oscar Dillon did the same last year, scoring what ended up being the winning goal with a similarly dramatic free kick in the second half of his game. Dylan Wenzel-Halls and Oscar Dillon both join me now. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, yeah, welcome to the FQ Podcast. Thank you, Cheers, thank you. Um, you're both rising talents in the A-League at the moment, but you both started in the NPL. Um, but we'll go a little bit further back from that, um, and we'll start with you, Dylan. Uh, how did it all begin? How did you get into football? Was it always going to be football? Did you have a number of sports that you wanted to be a part of? What, uh, I think what, for me, growing up, um, I come from a rugby league family, so initially I was going to play rugby league, and um, you know, my family always laugh about it, but I remember watching my uncle play, and he got into a bit of a fight, and I was like four or five, and I was like, no, nah, I don't like the violence, like, I don't want to play that, so... My dad wasn't too happy, but um, yeah, we obviously got put into football and, um, and yeah, started there at Ipswich Knights. So. <coughs> doesn't, doesn't sound like a bad idea, to be honest. I reckon I've seen enough rugby league fights in my time. So yeah, no. off it for life. Great game to watch. Probably not so much to play. No, absolutely. I couldn't imagine getting beaten around like they do. So. Uh, how about you, Oscar? Was um, rugby league on your radar as well? Uh, sort of. My oldest brother played rugby league, but then my middle brother... Um, he just played soccer, so I just sort of just fell into it. And then um, I ended up getting into basketball for a while. So I quit soccer for a few years when I was probably 10, 11, 12. Didn't play for two years. Um, just focused on my basketball. And then, um, yeah, sort of fell back into soccer. And then a year or two later, moved up to the Gold Coast just for a change, different life. And, um, yeah, that's when the NPL started. So it all worked out pretty well. And so you were straight in with um, with Palm Beach, were you? When yeah, you- so I went straight in. My brother went to the first team there, and I just went into the, I think it might have been the 13s at the time, or 14s, I can't remember. Um, spent a couple of years there and just sort of just kept going and going, which was good. Um, so as you were going through, and this question to both of you, were, were you always... It's going to sound very cliched, but destined for stardom? Were you always being selected for representative teams? Were you, you know, were you always, I guess, leading, leading those age group teams that you were in? I mean, we'll start with you, Dylan. Yeah, for me personally, obviously, I don't, maybe not destined, I suppose, but, you know, I made a few, you know, those rep camps and the Queensland camps, but, you know, I never made the Coffs Harbour, um, you know, a little group tour or anything like that, I suppose. Um, for me personally, I probably only kicked on maybe 16s, um, when I first went to Olympic, and I really kicked on there, had a good season, and I think I got that belief, and you know, went on had a good 18 season, and then I went to the obviously the youth team from there. But um, prior to that, obviously, you know, I obviously thought I was a decent little player, but um, yeah, definitely didn't make any of those, or majority of those rep teams. No, that's for sure. I was similar for you, Oscar, or were you always um, back back there? home? I couldn't make the the coughs like the north. I think it was called Northern New South Wales country at the time. I couldn't make that either, and then I came up here. Um, I was a midfielder at the time, actually, and then came up here and just, yeah, this all sort of clicked really quickly. I just started making Queensland teams, and then in two or three years, I was at the Raw Youth, um, all the 18s and the youth, and then 
when I got to that sort of 17, 18 year old, I sort of fell out of love for it a bit, I guess. I just, um, I don't know, I just sort of wasn't enjoying it too much. So I moved home and um, to a, probably 18 months where I just sort of enjoyed it more rather than focus on going professional and stuff. And then that's sort of when I realised this is what I want to do. And um, yeah, last year was a big year. So it was good to get the end result and then obviously get the contract at the end of it. Right, we'll, we'll get onto that in a little bit. But that's an interesting an interesting point, really, I guess, because you are both A-League players now. And I guess some kids, uh, like 14, 15, you know, if they don't get selected for these rep teams, it probably feels like the end of the world. But I guess you two are a perfect example. But, you know, not everybody, I guess, develops at the same rate. And, and it, you don't have to be sort of being captain of your state team every single year from age eight or whatever um, to get, mm. get into a top level. Yeah, I find yeah. a lot, you know, that a lot of the people I speak to, obviously the kids and that, and they go, or the, the, the parents, and they go, he's not made the rep team or, um, you know, he's not made the first 11 or, you know, he's been overlooked here, overlooked there. And honestly, I, I don't think it matters at that age. Obviously, yeah, it's nice to make that. It's nice to wear those jerseys and have those honours, I suppose. But at the end of the day, it doesn't make, doesn't, doesn't uh, you know, pan out the way, um, yeah, they wanted it to. Sweet. So we'll stick with you, Dylan, because you got yourself into the Olympic setup. Um, you, you scored nearly 50 goals in a season for the under-18s in 22 games. 49 goals in 22 games? I goals was just short, yeah, 49 or something. So. <laughs> were were um, you dirty that you didn't get the 50? I was actually. And it was the, <laughs> the last game of the season, in fact, to be fair. And we had, um, I think, we were in Sunny Coast. And they forfeited or something like that. They couldn't field a team. So I was spewing at that age. But, but no, we had a really good team to be fair in the 18s. A lot of them I still speak to and um, kind of just clicked for me from there, I suppose. Did it, was, was it difficult? Like, obviously, sort of when you make a mark like that, I guess a lot of eyeballs will be on you. Do you then feel pressure when you step up into a senior, into a senior setup or a youth setup? Well, from there, I went to the youth team um, at the Raw. And obviously, I think, you know, like, I think I was Josh McLaughlin at the time, you know, he knew I scored a lot of goals and I think people don't think it's as much of a step up as it is, but even from the NPL 18s to the youth team is a step up. And then obviously, you know, the A-League team again is a, is a ridiculous step up. But yeah, I suppose obviously, and I think for myself as well, when you're scoring so many goals and then you go to the Royal Youth and you maybe don't score as many goals as you hope or, or they play a different system that doesn't quite, um, that you, you know, you've got to adapt to and fit into to start with. Obviously that takes time. So I think it's, it's more the battle with yourself, I suppose. Um, and then I went to obviously Western Pride and they, they knew I had scored a lot of goals, but I hadn't done it at senior level. So I think that's what they kind of expected from me. I know the coach there was, you know, emphasised that saying, we know you can score goals, we know you have scored goals, but, you know, can you do it at, at senior level? So I think that was, I had to find that within myself, I suppose. Um, Oscar, I guess you were fairly similar in the sense that you were in the junior MPL at Palm Beach before you then you were in the raw QAS NTC team yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, but then senior football for Gold Coast City. Yeah. All the way through becoming regular in 2017. When you were moving through that junior transition, because you said you started off as a midfielder, was that at the time you started moving back to defence? Yeah. Oh, no. So I was, a, I was a midfielder as a young... I always played midfield, never played as a centre-back. Um, I didn't play centre-back till I was under 14, where that was my first... Yeah, and that was the first year I made the Queensland side as well. Um, and then, yeah, went to the, the Rural 18s. We had Josh at the time. And then Josh obviously went up to the youth team. And then I went up to the youth team with him. Um, 
but I was living away from home at boarding school and it was just at that age, I was 16, 17, um, just all got a bit too much for me. Like I wasn't playing. I just wanted to enjoy football again. I was away from family, friends, even though it's an only an hour and a half up the road, it just felt like forever at times. So I just went, I just want to go home and enjoy my football. Um, my brother was at Gold Coast City, so I just went there and started in the 20s and then um, got a few games for the first team and then sort of just went on from there. Played, I think, seven or eight games my first year in the first team as 17, 18-year-old, I can't remember. Um, and then obviously jumped over to the Knights for a couple of years. And that, that was a pretty impressive season as well, about 2017 for City from memory. Got that fantastic run in the FFA Cup. Mm. Uh, and obviously all the way through to the semi-final where you two um, met yeah. for the third time yeah. that year. I do you yeah. remember playing against each other? Like, do, do you have memories about it? I, I don't personally, obviously. I remember playing with Oscar in the, the Royal Youth Team and obviously training, training a lot, but... I think as Oscar caught it, sort of was coming into the to the team. I was, you know, on, on my way out um, to Pride. So, uh, but no, not not really as such. I think the first main memory would be obviously training with with Oscar, and then obviously um, a couple of months ago when we we played them up at uh, was it Ballarat, I think. Yeah, Ballarat. Yeah. Mm. You're right. So, so not even <laughs> that 2017 season in, when when you made it through to the semi-finals in the MPL together. Uh, do you remember playing against each other then? I think I only played... I didn't play many games that year, I don't think. I think yeah. at the start of the year, I wasn't getting picked. And then um, something happened. I can't remember. It might have been an injury or someone moved away. I can't remember. But I think I played the last six or seven games in a row. So I only played leading into finals. And then I do remember versing Western Pride in the final. I think we, I think we ended up losing 4 one nil or three nil or something. I can't remember. I can't remember the final score. Yeah, it was a bit of a battle. Be memory. Yeah, I think we got. I think we copped the couple, but um, yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I sort of came to the team late, so I don't really remember a lot of that season, to be honest. Uh, but that really was your breakout season, I guess, um, Dylan. Uh, you, I, I mean, I still remember with such fond memories about that 2017 <laughs> um, final. And funnily enough, I was talking to my wife. Uh, uh, earlier and said, oh, I'm going to be chatting to Dylan Wenzel Halls. And she goes, oh, is that, the, is that the guy who scored that free kick you keep talking about? <laughs> so, I mean, I must have, it must have embedded in my mind and the mind of everybody <laughs> who watched football. Um, the 88th minute, over 3,000 fans there. I mean, I guess when you think about what you play in front of now, that's relatively sort of a small crowd, but for then it was huge and it was a, it's massive at Briggs Road. What goes through your mind when you're stepping up? Because it looked from the moment the free kick was given that you were going to take that free kick. There was no doubt in my mind or in anyone else's mind who was on the sideline near me that, oh, yeah, Dylan's going Dylan's gonna to take this. Whether or not you were gonna, we knew you were going to score it, I mean, that might be a bit of after-timing to say we knew yeah. you were going to slam it into the top corner. But you just looked so confident. Was that the confidence that had been built from such a fantastic season that you had and an impressive game, to be honest, that you just knew you wanted to take it? I think so. Obviously, um, you know, I always fancy myself as a free kick taker when I was younger. Um, you know, and I always always was out practicing my free kicks after training. To be fair, and I get the mannequins out because as a striker, I thought you know they can obviously win you games, but it's another chance to score. Um, it's a free shot, obviously, so it's a chance to score. And you know, I was just practicing them after training all the time, and 
Um, I think I scored maybe two or three that season as well. So obviously I was confident, but um, 88th minute, probably don't want to go to extra time. So, um, but no, obviously. Were you one cooked of, by then? Like, oh, I was. Yeah, I think actually Graham Graham said to me that I was next to get subbed. I think they were preparing to to sub me off and around that time because they thought I was running out of legs. So it was probably perfect timing because I wouldn't want to miss the extra time if it happened. You look like you got a bit of a second win when you ran into the crowd, though, and were followed by just about half of Ipswich, it looked like. I, I um, think so. Yeah. Um, obviously, at the time, it felt like you know, the crowd was massive. You know, 3,000, 3,500, 4,000 people was, was a massive crowd when you've never played, you know, in front of a stadium before. Um, and obviously, I think the season, the beginning of the season didn't go my way. Obviously, you know, a couple of injuries, and then I've come into the team, and, you know, I think we had to win 10 from 10 to, to make the fourth spot. We ended up making third, so I think, um, I think the adrenaline just got the best of me and obviously I'm pretty passionate when I celebrate whether that's bloody that um, 80th minute at Western Pride or on the A-League so so what like because that season like it was a breakout season for you like you'd obviously you'd had that time with Olympic you'd had that time with with the Raw as uh, in the youth setup. then you've gone to Western Pride under Graham um, you're playing um, in a team that had just developed and grown together in, in such a fantastic way. And like you said, you just grew into that final series and you just rode that wave of momentum. You, do you take something, you must take something from every game that you play, for every team that you played in um, as you were growing up. And what particularly did you take from that Western Pride team? I think obviously the culture. We're all around the same age. Um, a lot of the boys I've known, played against, um, mates with, I think we were... We were all at the time, I think, you know, aspiring to be professionals. So there was no older players who had kind of been done that, or, um, or or players that you know didn't have that aspiration. So I think, obviously, you know, the cultures that, that was the biggest thing. You know, we were we were doing stuff on the weekends together. Obviously, we were playing for each other. We were we were friends at the end of the day. I think so. I think um, you know that that's probably the, the biggest thing I got out of that. Um, obviously, and you know, like you said, obviously we, we grew a lot as a team, but I think they finished second last, third last and fourth last for the last three years. So going there was a bit daunting, you know, in all, in all honesty, um, you know, when, you know, I could have gone back to other clubs or, or big, or at the time bigger NPL clubs, but, um, you know, I knew I'd play there. I knew I'd be, you know, the, the, the starting striker there at the time. So yeah, it was a risk I took. <laughs> um, even in the second year, I think we we're flying for the most part, you know, well, I think we're top of the ladder. So, I think, obviously, like I said, we were all all confident, all young, aspiring. We all thought, you know what, we can... I think everyone thought they could try and make that step or wanted to at least give it a crack at making that step into the A-League. So I think, you know, that, that probably went a long way as well. And it probably all came together just at that right time as well. That was... You all sort of peaked, if you like, at, like or yeah. certainly the whole team peaked at that level. It, it was, was weird because I think we were, we were like seventh or something um, halfway through the season. So we literally had to win 10 games from 10. To, to finish fourth and then I think you know we ended up finishing third and then first ended up losing and we ended up having a home final it was you know, it was crazy hard to get out really um but no it was obviously you know one of the one of the best teams I've ever been involved in and it was a great culture um Oscar your grand final story I guess was pretty similar in the sense that you you slammed home a free kick and it was a decisive free kick because you're one nil up at the time You'd, you're a man down. You've been playing for a man down, with a man down yeah. for a good 20 minutes or so of that second half when you, when you put the ball down. Like, there's a lot of decent ball strikers in that team. Um, mm. Were you always first choice to take that free kick? And if you were, like, what was going through your mind when you, when you were running up to take that? 
To be honest, probably same with Dylan. Like, I just always practice my free kick for some reason. I've always, since I've been a kid, I've always taken free kicks. And then um, it wasn't until I got to that, you know, 17-year-old when I was the youngest in the team that would, they wouldn't let me take them because they're like, oh, yeah, you can't take them, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I was, I was always hitting them good at training. And then I've had a few during the year that were close and then had a few real average ones as well. And then, but just as soon as that, the whistle went for that free kick. I just, I knew I wanted it. And then I said to Mitch, obviously Mitchie Nichols, I just said, like, I got it. And I usually go fast kick all the time. Like, that's just what I practice a lot. And then he said, just take some off it. And just, you know, there's so much space there. You'll be all right. And then so as soon as I did it. that at the time, like in the middle of that grand final, he was giving you advice. Yeah, he just said, just take a bit off it. And you guys just go that side. Because I thought the, the keeper was so far to the, to the fast stick, and I just thought he was trying to bait a bit of mind game. So I was like, I'll go that side in case he does that half a yard step. Um, he just said, just take a bit off it, you'll be right. And then as soon as I hit it, I just went, oh, yeah, she's in. And then, yeah, it was, it was a good feeling. It's a good feeling when you score, especially when you're a man down. It's just a massive relief because um, we were just running like dogs for 45 minutes, which was Against a, against a good side as well, which made it hard. So, yeah. Well, it became a pivotal goal because obviously they got that goal back late in the end. So yeah. it was really important. I guess a couple of things to take from that. Like you were confident enough to take the ball off Mitch Nichols, who's you know, obviously played plenty of games in the A-League. Um, yeah. Very decent player. Um, yeah. And, and I, I guess it sounds... It's interesting to hear that he was willing to give you that advice and, and willing to sort of chat to you in the middle of that cauldron. I, I guess for someone like myself who's not been involved in a grand final other than to scream manically on the sideline down a microphone, <laughs> um, I, I don't understand how you could be so cool, calm and collected. I mean, Dylan knows he's probably watched the highlight of that free kick and had to sort of mute me after a while because I just completely lost my mind. Um, I wasn't commentating your one, Oscar, but I was on the sideline. I did exactly the same thing as I did if I had a microphone in my head. I probably yeah. used a couple of words I wouldn't have used if I was on the call as well because it was an incredible shot. But yeah. to, take, to be that cool and calm about it is incredible. Yeah, like, I don't know. Mitchie's, I don't know. Mitchie's just sort of... Mitch was with us for most of the year and he just, he never really took him. He can, Mitch, Mitch can strike a ball, but um, I don't know if he didn't back himself or he just sort of said, you know, you can have him because you always see me working on him. I'm not sure. But as soon as that thing, he sort of grabbed the ball and then I just said like, nah, like I really, I really want this one. Like I just sort of had a feeling that, you know, it's been too long since I scored one and I was in practicing for way too long. And I just like, I just think that, you know, I had a really good chance of, it's gone, and then I was just, yeah, it's a good feeling when it goes in the back of the net. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's an unparalleled feeling, right? And I mean, even like both of you then ended up signing for A League clubs. Dylan, yours was sort of half a season after that yeah. moment. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit actually, because you, you, like you said, you were back in with Western Pride the following year, banging in goals left, right, and centre. I think you still won the Golden Boot. For that. Yeah, somehow I still still managed to win. I think for half a season, Lord. which is yeah, not too bad. I mean, you had a couple of what was it? Nine goals against seven. It was seven in, in the game. Back. Yeah, so that obviously helped. I think without that, probably. But even then, you know, I was still still scoring, um, you know, goals every game for for Pride and and yeah, like I said, you know, we were we were flying at the stage. Um, 
at that stage. I think we were first on the ladder undefeated. Oh, and I think we lost to Olympic. But other than that, you know, we are doing really well. Now, I, funnily enough, and this is a complete fluke, but I remember the game that you were sort of pulled out of for Western Pride. It was an FFA Cup game yeah. against Brisbane City at yeah. um, Corporate Travel Management Stadium. What do you remember about that time? Had there been discussions? Were people, you know, were you aware that perhaps the Raw or another A-League club were, mm. were looking at you at that time? And yeah. What was that like? Well, funnily enough, um, I was trialling with the Mariners. That was, um, that, that, what, what, that was what was organised. Um, and I think I was due to, to go there on the Wednesday, which is the day after the Cup game on Tuesday night. Um, and then we played Redlands the Friday before that. Um, and it was Friday. I was just having a, I was actually having my little pregame sleep, and um, my phone was going off, and it was going crazy. In fact, um, and obviously it was, you know, the the roar, and you know, people, you know, talking about that to me. Um, so obviously Friday night, I had, a, you know, obviously had a feeling that, you know, I think I'm signing. Like I wasn't, I hadn't confirmed it, but they said we're going to sign you. So I hadn't. I was a bit kind of like, well, hang on, is this my last game for Pride? Um, and then I got to the weekends after the game, and they were just like, um, you're not playing on Tuesday night. We're going to sign you. Um, obviously, on I think I think I ended up signing with them on the Wednesday or Thursday. They said oh. we're going to sign you, and I said, "Well, hang on, like it's a big. I'm pulling out of my FFA Cup here. You know, my teammates letting them down. It was the day of the game. I had to ring. I think I rang Graham at three thirty. He was a school teacher. He just finished school. We had we were playing at seven o'clock or something, six o'clock. Just rang him up at three thirty, saying I can't play. Um, and it was a it was a weird one because obviously it was unannounced. I didn't really in case the contract or anything fell through, I didn't want to say, oh, I'm signing with the Raw. Um, I had to pull out and I obviously explained that to him. Um, and then by the time I got to the, the game, um, everyone knew about it somehow. So um, I think obviously Cosmina was the coach at the time at City. Um, I think obviously my teammates ended up finding out um, through me and, and Graham, obviously. So, I mean, it got out pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, obviously it was disappointing not to play and I felt like I let the team down. Um, but I suppose at the end of the day, I think, you know, we were all there to try and make that step. And it was just disappointing to see them lose, I suppose, because, you know, we were flying at the time. And I think, um, yeah, it was just, it was a weird feeling at the time, but obviously a great one. Yeah, because I guess, like you said, it must be mixed feelings. Because, I mean, the feeling that, I guess, something that you've been working for for such a long time has finally been realised. But you did have that connection with Pride. And, and, you know, obviously Pride, I think they... Pride still made the finals that year, lost they did, to the yeah. Olympic in the semi Olympic in the semi. Yeah, well, at the time, I think we were, we were flying. Like I said, we were, I think we were first on the ladder. Um, finally, the FFA Cup game, we, you know, we just progressed. I think we beat Holland Park Hawks, just progressed to Brisbane City, which was, I mean, I thought a very winnable game. Um, and then obviously at the time, um, you know, three hours before kickoff, you know, it was hard to let my teammates, because like I said, they're mates as well. So it was hard to let them know, because obviously they wanted to, they wanted a reason. They you know, I couldn't just say I was injured. They wanted, obviously, the, the reason, so I had to give them the reason. But obviously, that was happy for me at the same time, but obviously, I think, you know, three hours before the game, and we've, we've trained all week, we've trained for the last, you know, 18 months of me as that starting striker to then find out three three hours before the game that, you know, I'm obviously not playing. It was kind of, obviously, difficult because even the player that filled in for me probably didn't, you know, think he was starting at the time either. So, it was a, it was a weird feeling, obviously. Um, but I'm, I'm so grateful obviously to get that opportunity and, you know, Pride handled it really well. They were obviously really happy for me. And they, they said from day dot that the, the plan for me, the plan for everyone is to try and push them on to, to bigger and better things, whether that's you know, myself, Graham Harvey or any other player at the club. 
Excellent. Um, Oscar, you signed not long after the grand final, is that right? Or was, were there sort of discussions happening before the end of yeah, the NFL season? So it was mid-season and um, we actually, I forget what happened. We had, I had a trial at the Mariners as well. Um, I think it was a cup game or something. I went down on the Monday and we had Olympic on the Sunday or something. So I was down there all week. So I didn't train with the team leading into that. Um, and then I was prepared to sign for them. They couldn't offer me a, a first-hand contract at the time, but it was going to be a youth team contract plus they were going to work some stuff around rental help, um, some extra payments, stuff like that, which I was willing to do at the time because I just wanted to get back into that environment. And then um, it ended up falling through because of certain stuff. And then obviously we had the grand final, had a good year. Um, we went to the Croatian tournament in Melbourne. Um, and then I just got off the aeroplane back in Gold Coast and my coach came up to me and said, um, you know, Western United's interested in you. Um, the, co- the coaches were all at the game. They like what they see, blah, blah, blah. You'll be heading down soon um, for a trial. Just get ready, um, which is sort of a bit of a shit one as well because I had so- I'd had an off season, um, been training the whole way through and then I had literally a week off and then I had... Paul's Adam Pike from the night just running me like a dog for about eight weeks and just hammering me just on my case all the time, you know. Every morning, 6 a.m., we're meeting on Burley Hill and, um, yeah, he just didn't let me slacken off at all, which is good. Um, and then I flew down there just before Christmas, um, played against Victory Reserves, like just the players that left over that didn't play that weekend. On the Monday, then I played another game on the Friday and then... Yeah, the boss just came up to me on the Friday and said, look, we're ha- we want you to sign, blah, blah, blah. Um, what yeah, and then I was like, oh, it was cool. It was, yeah, it was good. Um, I couldn't really smile on my face at the time. It just sort of felt like, you know, the last 18 months of just hard work had finally paid off. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a good feeling. And then, obviously, I wasn't supposed to come down to January 10th. And then I was sitting at home. I think it was maybe Boxing Day or something. Um, and I seen two, two of them versus Wellington we lost 3-1 and two of the centre-backs went down the same game and then I texted my mate as a joke and said I could be gone tomorrow and then three hours later I got a phone call saying you know your aeroplane's booked for tomorrow um, you'll be down here and just happened so quickly so yeah wow that's, fo- that's football I guess but yeah absolutely so, so that was again. So you ended up making your debut against the Mariners, was that right? Yeah. So I came in on the my first session with the team was a Tuesday. Uh, I was in the match day squad on the Friday because, again, injuries and just sort of worked in my favour. And um, just even sitting on the sideline was just cool, just like being up and close. And um, it ended up being a close game with three two, which we lost. But it was just the whole buzz about it. And it sort of just made you really hungry for. You know, to get in there and give it a crack. And then we actually had the buy and then I got a text off the SNC coach um, on the Monday and said, you know, the older boys had four or five days off and he goes, You're not getting any days off. Um, you gotta come in and do you gotta come in and do some extra running. The boss wants you fit for Mariners in case he wants to use you. And at the time I was just like, What? Like is he is he mucking around or um, yeah. yeah, but obviously I didn't argued I went in did the work and then I um, was in the starting team all week and I, everyone was asking me from family like you're gonna play you're gonna play and I sort of don't really like jumping 
jumping to conclusions. I was just like, just trying to play it cool. I was just like, oh, I don't know, like, you know, see what happens, blah, blah, blah. And then we had breakfast. We played on the Sunday. Um, we had breakfast on the Saturday morning. He just come up to me and said, you know what's going on, don't you? And I just couldn't really wipe the smile off my face. And again, I just played it cool. I just said, no, nah, I don't know. And he goes, you're making your debut tomorrow. Um, just keep doing what you're doing. I like what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, so it was a good feeling. He said, just relax and you'll be fine. All the boys will look after you. And yeah, sure enough, it was. And it was a good result and clean sheet. And yeah. Oh, perfect for a, for a defender, okay, right? To get back clean sheet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was good. 3 0, clean sheet. And yeah, it was a good, good way to make my debut as well, I think. Like home. Yeah. So with it like that, when you, like you said, you were sort of thinking, oh, I don't want to you know, count my chickens too early, yeah. don't want to jump the gun at all. Uh, were your family able to get to the game at all? Or Yeah, so my mum was planning on coming down anyway. Uh, okay. My mum, my stepdad, my little brother. And then my other brother actually lives in Tasmania. And the okay. other one lives back on the Gold Coast. And they said, are you playing? Are you playing? And I was like, I've been in the starting team all week. But I didn't want to say I was playing just because I didn't want to cut luck. I didn't want to not, not, yeah, not play. So... Yeah. I didn't want to say anything, um, and they all just, yeah, I didn't. I never told them I was playing. They all just sort of jumped the gun and said, "All right, we'll come." Um, and Paul's back home. He said, "Like, let me know when you debut. I want to come down." Heaps of people said that. We'll come down, but I sort of just wanted to focus on my job, and I didn't want to, you know, worry about the twenty people in the stand watching me. So I just sort of did my thing, and um, yeah, it was good to have the the close family there for sure. Dylan, was that the same for you? Like when you when you made your debut, Melbourne City. Melbourne City, yeah. We made I made my debut at home. Um, it was like the eighty eighth minute or something like that. But you know, I had my nana, my mum, my dad. You know, my my girlfriend, my everyone in the in the stands. My brother. Um, obviously, I think I had Joe Duckworth in the in the stands as well, and all my oh, mates yeah. were watching. Obviously, um, my good mate. So, yeah, obviously, it was a great feeling to make it at home. I think the week before, I was involved. I was on the bench, but I didn't get on. And that was in Mudgee, I think, in um somewhere in Sydney. That's in the right. Country. Yeah. So, um, obviously, my, my mum and dad, um, my brother, my girlfriend, they're all there. Um, so, it was nice to make it at home, actually. But um, I really didn't start playing. I think I played a lot of minutes away and less at home. So, no, nah, but it was good. It was obviously the best feeling, obviously, making that debut. It's what you've worked all pre-season for in the A-League. Pre-season's a long time. Um, but obviously, yeah, like I said, it was, it was an amazing feeling. I guess, so you both come into a squad full of some seasoned professionals and some, I guess, young guys such as yourselves. Like, what's it like with some of those more seasoned pros? I mean, I, the Raw this year has obviously got a couple of battle-hardened veterans, as it, as it were, from, from the UK. Uh, how are they to, to young players such as yourselves? Are they um, like accommodating to you? Are they, <laughs> do they um, wind you up a little bit? Um, get you cleaning their boots? I don't know. I don't know how it works. <laughs> no, obviously... I think those times are, especially in Australia, I don't think the young boys are, you know, responsible for filling out the bottles and mannequins and goals, et cetera. But I think at the Raw, we've got a lot of young boys, so I'm not involved in that as much. But for my first season, um, you know, to play with players like Matty Mackay, who I'd, you know, been to the grand finals and watched him, you know, captain the Raw to, to a premiership in a, in, a, in a grand final. So to play with players like that was pretty surreal. And obviously they're very accommodating. They're season pros. They've played you know, in World Cups, they've played in Europe, they've played in Asia at the highest level. So they're very accommodating. And, you know, like Oscar said, um, what his coach said, 
you know, they're going to be out there, they're going to help you, they're going to get you through it. So that was like what, you know, when I was playing my first few games, you know, the guide you, they get you through it, that um, they tour, you know, so you're basically just going off their instructions. So, you know, they've done it at the highest level, like I said. So, um, but that no, was good. And obviously this year, you know, the UK boys, um, you know, they're fantastic as well. They're a different kind of player. Um, that's for sure. But yeah, it's obviously Tommy Aldridge, you know, tough as nails and, you know, we've got Jay O'Shea and, you know, Brad, who's obviously Australian, but, you know, they're very good players. So, Oscar, is that similar down in Melbourne? Because it's slightly different with you with, for Western United, of course, because it's a brand new team yeah. completely as well. So I guess you're trying to, you're having to set up a supporter base, you're having to set up a bit of a, mm. your own history as well. Yeah, we definitely got some big players, I think. Like obviously, Juro Bess, um, Dia. Yeah, Dia's a freak. Yeah. Panna. Um, yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of old boys and then there's a lot of young boys as well. And then there's a couple in between. But yeah, the old boys are good. Jura's really good. He helps me a lot. Um, but so are the young boys as well. Like the young boys of sort of, you know, that middle age, that 23, 24, that have done it for a few years. And um, you sort of think they're going to be jealous of you at the time that, you know, if you're competing for spots. But a lot of them helped me out a lot and they were really good for me. So I was quite surprised about that, to be honest. But no, they're all... A bunch of boys, a really top group. Yeah, it's good. Um, Oscar, while while we're chatting to you, like you're obviously from Coffs Harbour, you moved to the Gold Coast. Now you're in the big city, as it were, in yeah. Melbourne. Like, has that taken a bit of adjusting um, too? Yeah, it's all gone down. Yeah, at the start, well, when I first got here, it was like a week of forty degrees, I think, and now I've been getting up and it's two degrees in the morning, which is crazy um yeah and i've always sort of been sort of like a coast coast kid sort of thing grew up by the beach and just love the beach love surfing love swimming all of it um so it is a big change like yeah completely different pretty much completely different lifestyle but you know you you sort of try not to think about too much and just do it because you you do it because you want to play football full time so you sort of you're prepared to go wherever you have to go and obviously i would have loved if um, could have got a sniff at the raw first, but um, you know, Weston took a chance on me and they've given me a few games. And now it's just about doing whatever I can to stay down here, or if it's not down here, then you know, go somewhere else. I guess we spoke before we started recording about the current situation in Melbourne where we've had these um, new sort of lockdown, sort of or rolling um, lock in areas. Uh, how, how are you finding that as a, I guess, me and Dylan up here in Brisbane, we're, we're quite lucky in, but we seem to have dodged a bit of a bullet so far with the coronavirus and we'll, we'll keep touching wood about that, but things are a little bit different in Victoria. So how are you, how are you fronting up with that at the moment? Yeah, it is quite different. Cause I was back home for, you know, two and a half, three months. And as I left, it was sort of easing. Um, and then I came back here and it all started sort of booming again, but now the club's been good about it. They've sort of put in that in and out rule. So you just, some players come dressed and you just pretty much in and out um, and just try and let the minimum time at the club you can. Um, obviously, no dining in at cafes, bars, whatever. Um, so I'm just sort of hanging out in my hotel, which is all right, watching a heap of Netflix, but it's a bit boring by yourself. <laughs> but no, nah, it's just, you sort of just got to do it for the next, you know, two months and, I think if we get past these two months, we'll be right. 
And I guess there's a lot of discussion at the moment, um, and this is directed to both of you, about how the A-League's going to restart. And there's obviously been a plan in place, but that might have to change based on different requirements for teams and um, situation with Victoria. Um, Oscar, you said you, you're going to be just be have to sort of roll with the punches and go where you have to go to, to, to yeah. play. I guess it's, that's just sort of the attitude of all the whole team and, and the entire squad. Yeah, well, obviously it changes every day down here, and everyone's talking at training how many new cases are overnight, blah blah blah. So it's sort of like, yeah, that's crazy. Um, and obviously we were scheduled to verse victory. I think it's on a Thursday and then Melbourne City on a Tuesday. But obviously if New South Wales shut their borders and we have to get in before they shut, otherwise it's going to wreck the schedule for everyone if we have to quarantine for 14 days. Um, but yeah, like I said, we, we probably know just as much as you at the moment. We sort of get, we <laughs> yeah. sort of just get tired every day. Just nothing's changed, nothing's changed. And then I imagine there'll be a call maybe next week or something. But at this stage, we just sort of focus on training and focus on getting fit. Excellent. Um, we'll go back to your time, both of you, in, your, in the NPL, because you both had to work pretty hard to be noticed, I, I, I guess. You know, we will be watching you week in, week out, and we were all aware of what you can do, and, and I guess what a lot of your teammates can do and a lot of your opponents in the NPL Queensland I, this might be a difficult one to answer uh, and, and feel free not to, but do you think A-League clubs could and probably should be starting to look a little bit more at the NPL? Because oh, especially over the years, even that I've been watching the NPL, the standard has skyrocketed. And to see the success of both of you, and, and Dylan, I mean, you've become something of a cult hero at the Roar, and I think every time I speak to anyone sure about that, but... in the office, oh, like, well, people like to see... A, a local, local, local talent. Yeah, I know. I agree. But obviously, like like you said, I think people don't see the the, the side of the NPL where you are out there working hard, you're grinding. Um, it's not like it is in the lower leagues in Europe where they're, they're literally fighting for this opportunity. Um, you know, for me, I just I saw it as well, well players that you think players that I thought that I was better than at the Roar or wherever. While well, they're training five six days a week, I'm only training three in the NPL, so I knew I had to do more sessions. So Personally, I was in, you know, working out during the day in the gym, and then I'd go to, to training early. I'd, I'd do extra training, extra shooting. I'd go in on a on a Monday when we weren't training, and, and do you know finishing there and and stuff like that. So I just saw it as you know I want to get to where they are. But if they're training five six days a week and I'm only training three, I'm never going to get there. I have to train as much if not more than them. So that's what that's the approach I took personally. Um, I was doing loads of extra sessions and extras and all that kind of stuff and. Um, but yeah, obviously I'm just fortunate it all clicked and I'm not sure how Oscar approached his side of things, but pe- people don't see that side of things. They just think, like, I get you know messages all the time. How'd you get from Pride to, to the Raw? Or how'd you get from the NPL to the Raw? It's, it's not as easy as people think it is. It's definitely, um, you know, people say it's a, it's the, the gap's closing and obviously maybe to some extent, I'm not sure, but it's definitely not as easy as people, people think it is. It's, it is much harder and... Um, you know, I found that out the hard way. You know, make one mistake and you get punished. They score in the NPL. You give the ball away three or four times and nothing really happens. You know, that's it's a different caliber of players we're talking about. We're talking about you give Borussia one chance and he's going to score. You know, you give an NPL player one chance. He, you know, chances are he's not going to score. He needs three or four to five chances to score those goals. So, um, but yeah, no, that's personally the approach I took. And and um, and yeah. 
Oscar, is that um, similar to you? Because, I mean, the team at Knights, I think I was joking about it when I was, I think that game that you referred to earlier when you came back from the trial of Mariners, the Olympic, the three-all game. I yeah. Think I, I think I, that was um, replayed on the um, Football Queensland Facebook page um, a couple of days ago. And I, mm. when I jumped on, I said, oh, there's as many A-League players on the pitch here as you're likely to see anywhere anyway. So you may as well stick with us because an A-League game had just started. I guess you've got so many players around you of such a high standard. Yeah, but that's a very good team, to be fair. You know, the calibre of players you guys had at, at night mm. the Olympic with their players, I think. You know, there's a lot of ex-pros going around the NPL. And yeah. Does that help when you're in that environment? Sorry, Oscar. Does that help to make that step up into an A-League setup? Yeah, we had a good, obviously we had a good side and um, probably a few people that just got unlucky as well, like players like Matty Schmidt, like I think Matty's the top player. Um, and I think if someone gave him a chance and, you know, if you put him in the system for a couple of months just to adapt, that he could easily do it. Um, there's probably a few in the NPL, but yeah, it is, it is a hard step up, like Dylan said, but it did make it easier. When Matty Smith came back, um, tonight, so he helped me massively. Mm. Um, just the small stuff, just like positioning and defending, and just the little stuff that you sort of, like Dylan said, you can get away with in the NPL. Um, and I sort of found out the hard way in the A League. I did make a couple, I uh, made a couple errors, and um, I made a costly one in my last game, and um, led to a goal, and haven't played since. So it sort of does make you hungry to, you know, to you got to be switched on all the time and. Even in training, you make an error, everyone's straight on to you. So it is different, but it is good. It's what you want and um, you want to improve every day. And But yeah, it's the same as everyone else. Everyone wants to improve. So, you know, it's nothing personal. It's just get on with it. And yeah. How frustrating is that, making an error and then not having a chance to put it right for months? <laughs> so that's been really yeah, yeah it's, it's hard. It's just sort of, now you just sort of, you know, this is the time where I think you guess you just got to really work hard and, do the dirty work and um, when you do get your chance you just got to try and make the most of it now which six games we got six games in I forget how many days I think it might be 20 or 22 days or something so I think there will be a turnover of players um, if I get a chance then I'll just try and make the most of it but if not then just um, yeah I just got to keep training hard and see what happens next year. Um, so you've obviously benefited from from, from Matt Smith. Dylan, you've had uh, a chance to work under Socceroo, John Aloisi, and then one of the best strikers of the Premier League era in, in Robbie Fowler. You've had Scott McDonald alongside you um, for a good part of this season as well. I mean, the lessons that they must be giving you must be, must be something else. And, and what a fantastic opportunity to learn more than anything. Yeah, absolutely. I think every day, you know, John, Robbie, and as well as Scotty Mack and, you know, your Adam Taggart's you know, every day in training, I'm, I was just asking questions, listening to what they had to say. Um, Scotty Max, you know, very good to be fair. He's always in my ear, you know, giving me little tips or, or talk, even even just talking about, you know, different movements, different positions you can take up, different runs you can make to be more effective, I think, um, is, you know, something that in, in my position, you know, to work with players like Scotty Mack and Robbie Fowler and even John Aloisi, you know, those three, you know, it's a, I'm one in, you know, millions that get to get that opportunity to work with those three world-class world-class um, attackers who have done so much in in their football careers so I think for me it's just absorbing all of that learning listening trying to improve and you know taking things on board to to implement into my game because you know even little things like you know 
Robbie was really good with me, like trying to teach me to hold up the ball because I never have, I never had to do that in the NPL. It was just get us to my feet and I'll take on players. So, you know, adding different kind of strings to my bow to, to help me, you know, obviously further my career. But yeah, like I said, it's just all I do at the moment is just absorb everything, listen, talk, and just um, discuss different things as well. You know, Scotty McDonald's perfect with that with me. He's, he's, he's given me more advice and more information than I could ever want. He's, um, he's always in my ear. Like I said, yeah, different runs, you know, just, just every aspect of football he's, he's, he's helped me with. So it's fantastic. It looks like he gives you quite a lot of on-field direction as well. And indeed, a lot of his teammates seems to be really sort of directing yeah. you. And I guess Mitch Nichols did a lot of that with the Knights as well, Oscar, really sort of telling everybody where to be. And I'm sure Matt Smith did the same, did the same thing. Having those players alongside you and Dylan having um, Robbie Fowler standing in the dugout um, over the past season, does, do you have to pinch yourself sometimes? Um, that, that you've yeah. got that you, but like you're sort of like, hey, that's Robbie Fowler. I remember watching him play for Liverpool. Yeah, or, obviously it's crazy. Like when Robbie was, um, you know, you'd see, you know, on LFC TV, you'd see some of the goals he'd score. Then you go to training the next day and you'd see him. It was kind of, you know, a little bit surreal. And he'd join in and training, um, do the finishing and stuff. And his finishing was still obviously world class. He was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, like I said, like I've got a photo of me and Scotty McDonald from, oh, back when they played, when Celtic played the, uh, the Raw. You know, and I was getting my little jersey signed by him to then, you know, play alongside him. Um, you know, it's, it's phenomenal. It's it honestly, it's, it's surreal. But I think you can't let that obviously get in the way. I think you've got to, um, got to obviously just, you know, treat, treat everyone as if, you know, you're, you're there. You're there for a reason. I'm going to improve and obviously, um, you know, learn as much as you can while still improving. But, yeah, you definitely do have to pinch yourself, I suppose. But you've got to try not let that get the best of you, I'm sure. And obviously, while, while we're just quickly talking about Robbie, obviously it's disappointing that um, circumstances have conspired to have him, have him not being able to sort of finish up what he started really and your form with the Raw into that COVID break was so impressive. Um, it is a difficult situation, but I guess you've already got experience playing with um, Darren Davis um, and Warren Moon has also been announced as being part of the setup there. I guess uh, it's a difficult situation because I'm sure it was excellent working with Robbie, but it must be quite exciting to a point to to be working with Warren as well. And I guess that leads on to another question of you guys have obviously played in in the NPL, um, but um, you know, you've obviously also been coached by coaches under the NPL. And Oscar, I mean, your coach at the moment. Um, Mark Rudin, he cut his teeth in the NPL as well in Sydney. You know, these are coaches that have developed in this sort of National Premier League and moved into the A-League. You two are players who've cut your teeth in the NPL and moved into the A-League as well. I mean, that's, is, is that a pattern, do you think, that we'll see more of? Look, I hope so, personally. Oscar, I'm sure, is the same. Yeah. I think there's obviously, like I said before, there's obviously um, a few players that, a few more players, I would say, that can definitely make the step up. Um, a lot of the time, it is just luck, um, I think. Like mine was definitely luck. Two centre-backs or three centre-backs. Two centre-backs got injured when I got here and two lefts. Um, so we had three starting centre-backs. And obviously, when I got told I was signing, I was never expecting to start after 10 days of training. Um, so it is luck as well and about timing. But I think it's got to... Everyone's journey is different. So I was when I was 17, 18, 
one of my good friends, Dane Ningham, at the time. He was already playing pro and I played with him all my junior years and I was like, you know, shit, like, he's playing pro and I'm still playing under 20s, NPL, like, what the hell's going on, blah, blah, blah. But I think you just got to, for young players, you just got to understand that everyone's journey is different. People develop different times. Um, yeah, like, some people make it young. Some people crack, like, Matty Smith, he didn't crack it until he was 27. And then, he ended up having, and then he ended up having a, yeah, look at his career. So I think that, yeah, just the timing is just a big one. Just, yeah, journey and the timing for me was just, yeah, big one. Similar to yourself, um, Dylan, like what, would that be the similar advice that you'd give players trying to get into that A-League? Make I that- think so. I think, you know, like I touched on before, if you want to, you know, be at their level, you've got to train just as much, if not more than them you know, to do all the right things. And I guess it is, you know, right place, right time to some extent. But obviously it'd be, it'd be good for, for you know, A-League clubs to, to gamble on, you know, like your Mark Rudens and, and stuff like that. Obviously it's good to see that. It's good to see them, you know, clubs take um, take a gamble on Oscar and I, I think. Um, obviously, yeah, the step-up's not as easy as people do think, but it's it's definitely doable for, for some people. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, it'd be, it'd be good to see, you know, a lot more MPL, club, uh, MPL players push on as well as coaches because I think, in those systems, there are players that genuinely want to move up and, and make the move um, and, and have aspirations as, as well as coaches. Um, but then there's some that don't, obviously. They're in a different, you know, career pathway, et cetera. But um, I think for me, yeah, like Oscar said, um, everyone's journey is different. I, you know, I started kicking on when I was 16, whereas I was players that were making rep teams at 12 and number 12 going, oh, you know, they're making rep teams. Maybe I'm not good enough, you know, but obviously I've kicked on at 16 and those players that were playing in the Coffs Harbour team, they're not, some of them, most of them aren't even playing anymore. Um, so yeah, like Oscar said, everyone's journey is different. Um, but yeah, it'd be good to see, you know, more MPL players and coaches get a, get a chance. Um, but obviously it comes down to opportunity here as well. You know, over in Europe, there's, you know, four or five tiers of professional football in some countries, whereas here there's, there's, you know, what is it? 11 teams, 12 teams tops, um, with a roster of 23 players per team. So it is difficult in, in, in countries like Australia. Obviously, we're gearing up to the season restarting, both MPL and A-League. And I know I'm pretty excited about it. I guess you guys are too. You've probably been climbing the walls, haven't you, over the last couple of, last couple of weeks. Um, what are your goals? I mean, Western, um, Western United are in sixth at the moment, Roar in fourth. I think mean, you play each other once more this season. Um, so there's a lot nah. of yeah. I think we played you guys twice. We um, we did you one nil, and then you guys did us two nil at home. I think so. We're not playing West United, but um, we've we've got a tough draw home. I think for us, we're in fourth. We're in a good spot. We want to push push on and you know finish as high up the ladder as we can. Um, obviously, stay in those final spots and obviously do well in the final spots because obviously, you know, the way we were performing and, and playing um, put us in a good patch before COVID. Obviously, COVID struck and, you know, it was unprecedented. Obviously, no one could predict that was going to happen. And um, much like Oscar, I'm sure, it was driving us up the walls. You know, we didn't know when we were going to come back. We didn't know what the go was. So we're trying to keep fit while still training by ourselves, keeping ourselves motivated to, to, to do that by ourselves was obviously a challenge itself. But I think um, everyone's just buzzing to be back. And obviously, we want to finish off the season as strong as we can and, and, and win as many games as we can and, and, you know, finish on a high note. Oscar, you're you're down in Melbourne. You're you're training. You've you've got your whole system set. Um, how's everybody come back from training from from this this break? Have has everybody come back fit and firing? How's how's Bessart Barisha sort of coped with not being able to sort of terrorise defences for for a couple of months? 
Yeah, everyone's buzzing to be back, to be honest. Everyone's just like the smile on everyone's face when everyone walked in and I uh, said hello. It was just, yeah, it was just good to be back. Um, no, nah, the boys are looking good. We've been flogged, but in a reasonable manner. Um, no injuries or nothing yet, which is good. Um, yeah, just trying to get that, just trying to get that fitness back and um, the sharpness. But no, the boys are looking good. And yeah, I reckon, you know, a couple more weeks, I reckon we'll be right. And, have a good run. We got luck, Dylan. That we got a hard six games home as well. We got most of our teams are in or fighting for that top six. So um, yeah, there's a lot to play for in those last six games. So it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. But no, I back I back the squad that we have, and um, yeah, hopefully we can make a real push for it in our first year. How was training when when you guys all came back? Like, what was was it a bit fiery? Did, like, did you need to sort of all blow off a little bit of steam first, or whoever you bruises coming in? Or I think for me personally, obviously, everyone was just buzzing to be back. So it was, you know, obviously the best feeling to go back there and you know the banter with the boys and to see everyone and I guess do what we love doing. You know, it was hard to do that by yourself. You can't replicate any of those training sessions by yourself. You're running, you're doing your little extras, training by yourself, but. You know, nothing beats, you know, getting in the game. You're playing cage, you're playing your 11v11s. Um, so, obviously, everyone was just buzzing to be back and, you know, everyone was, you know, flying. So, but, yeah, at times, obviously, it's a, not fiery, but obviously, you know, you get stuck in and, you know, get a bit passionate, obviously, because you've not played competitively in so long. Um, and, and yeah, so, no, but it's been great since we've been back. And, um, like Oscar said, we've been flogged too and in a reasonable manner as well. Obviously, we've been, um, you know, working really hard by, you know, run all the running and stuff we're doing and, and the fitness while still um, in the back of our minds, you know, working on, you know, tactical aspects of the game that, you know, come three weeks' time, you need to be switched on with and, um, you know, ready to go because, um, like, like Oscar said, there's a lot of teams that's pretty tight this year, to be fair. I think one or two losses and you're down to sixth or seventh and one or two wins at sixth or seventh and you could be up to, you know, fifth or fifth or sixth. So it's, um, it's a tight competition this year. So it's really good to see. There's no um, best art wasn't nibbling your ankles Oscar <laughs> nah, nah Bess has been good he's yeah he's looking good um, yeah he's just most of the boys are fit and yeah Bess looks good and Bess is best he's competitive as are most of the boys I think it's just this environment in general it's a competitive environment yeah, I think that's that's probably the biggest um, the biggest uh, thing I noticed when I've come in just the always competitive nature if you lose Boys are human. Um, whereas if you lose back in NPO, you sort of just, you know, smile, laugh it off with the boys. But if you lose here, like, you know, boys are straight onto you, just going like, you know, that's your man, you got to track it, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's honestly like a game all the time. It's The competitive nature is, it's good, it's unreal. Um, and it makes you perform better and, yeah, it's what you want. Well, speaking of competitive nature, we've got a little quiz to sort of see which one of you two guys has been paying attention most um, over the last sort of couple of years of football in the state and in the country. So um, we'll get on to that. But before we start, um, thank you both so much. And Oscar, I appreciate it. it looks like your dinner's arrived. So thank you for sort of delaying <laughs> eating that. I've got a grilled burger next to me that's been sitting there for half an hour. So. Oh, mate. I'm so I'll sorry. Rip, <laughs> no, that's all right. I'll look into it after, so I'll be all right. <laughs> Awesome. And yeah, like I said, thank you so much. And it, and it really is, you two have both proven, I guess, that, um, you know, that there is a pathway between the NPL and the A-League. So, you know, you, you've 
you are providing something of inspiration to everybody who watches NPL football. And and, and like I say, it's been, it's been a pleasure to see you both um, playing, having having watched and called you guys over the last couple of years to see you stepping up into the into the big leagues, as it were, it, it is a real pleasure. And and you might not think you're a um, uh, you're a cult hero yet, Dylan, but you, uh, let me tell you, on the turf, <laughs> you're a cult hero. So uh, <laughs> appreciate it. Thank you. I think that's very generous, but no, I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> no, you keep doing what you're doing, and Oscar, you keep you keep um, improving the way you're going as well, because it's it's it has been a real pleasure to watch. Cheers. Thank you for that. Thank you for having us. Really appreciate it. No problem. Right. Trivia questions. They are all questions about the A-League or MPL Queensland. Um, First to five. Um, Your name is... (laughs) That looks so nervous, Oscar. It's fine. Uh, I don't pay a lot of attention, so we'll see what happens. (laughs) Right. um, Your your buzzer is your name, so if you know the answer, just shout your name. If you don't get the answer, we'll we'll throw it to the next person. So, question one. What game will be the first game back in the Hyundai A-League after the COVID break? Oscar, it's us first victory. It is. Do you know what date it is? You should do. It's a, it's a Thursday. It's, I think it might, must be the 16th of July or 17th. 16th of July. 16th, yeah. Right. But I, I knew that. There you go, you're paying attention. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. You can't not know that one, Mark. Far out. Right, question two. In what year was the MPL Queensland established? Dylan, 2014? It's not 2014. It's 2013. It's the year I moved up. It is 2013. 2-0, Oscar. Question three. Which team won the 2017 MPL Queensland Men's Premiership? Dylan, was it the Strikers? It was the Strikers. Thought so. Okay. <laughs> that was, was that the um the Gold Coast Premier League year, Oscar? No, nah, that was that was the year I would have played at Gold Coast City. But that was the year of, that I prob- I a lot of twenties probably. We That's won it. it. That's how we got the first. Uh, we got the home final, I think, because the strikers lost. Yes. So they lost to Morton Bay, and we know what happened in the final. <laughs> I've no doubt that we'll be showing that free kick a few times over the course of the. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think all the views. Are free kicks there, so. Um. Right. Question four. In what year are Australia and New Zealand hosting the Women's World Cup? Oscar, 2023. It is 2023. It's been all over my social media. Yeah, Yeah. 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 it's exciting. It's good for Australian football, yeah, for sure. No, I hope, yeah, I really hope everybody gets behind it, to be honest, because it's a good opportunity to sort of real have that, um, yeah, just be surrounded by football for a... Yeah, showcase Australian football. Yeah, absolutely. Right, question five. Who is the Hyundai A-League's all-time leading goal scorer? Oscar. Bess. It is Bess. Bess, yeah. Sorry, Dylan, just a fraction of a second late there. Debatable. (laughs) (laughs) Internet lag. Yeah, Yeah. don't go all Warren Moon on me. He was was making about (laughs) Right, question six. You only need one more to win, Oscar. This is the carrot of having that sort of grilled next year. Right, question six. Before Andy Pengelly broke the record in 2019, which player scored the most goals in an MPL Queensland season? Dylan. Is it is either Chris Lucas or Royce Brownlee? Which one do you want to go with? I'm going to say Chris Lucas. Oh, 
you're going to wish you said Royce Brownlee. Royce I'm not going to throw that over because I was, um, was going to say I was going to say Harrison Sawyer to be honest. So okay. I, had no, I had no idea. But it was Royce Brownlee. He scored 34 goals in 2014. Show goes on. <laughs> Still in it, Dylan. <laughs> um, question seven: Which team conceded the least amount of goals in the MPL in 2019? Dylan, was it Lions? It was Lions with 20 goals. Knights conceded 22. Thought so. Probably the toughest, you know, defending backline I played against in the MPL. To be fair, so is that right? Yeah, I'd say so. But in in what way were they, they were just like? Was it the combination of the back four and goalkeeper, or was it just so? Hard I think it was just obviously play? Mooney had them set up pretty well. Tommy Jarrod's, you know, very good. So's uh, the other boy. So Brindle South as well, and I think Andy Thompson. That you know, they're all quick. They're all strong. They're all they're all good players. So yeah, it was the toughest team I played against, probably toughest backline. Sorry. Question eight: Which team is currently on top of the A League ladder? Dylan. It is Sydney. Right, so what's that? 4-3? Four, 4-3. Three? Four, three. Three. Come back. Oh, Oscar. Switched Which? off a bit. <laughs> Smells the burger. <laughs> <laughs> Which MPL Queensland men's club has the most grand final appearances? Dylan. Olympic. It is Olympic. Do you know how many they've been in? No, I don't know. Couldn't tell you. I reckon four, four out of five. No. It's four okay. times. 13, 14, 18, and 19. Right. Big one, eh? Takes all. Right. How many matches did Brisbane Raw remain undefeated through to claim a record in 2010 and 11? 36. It's 36. I would have no idea about that. There you go. Go and enjoy your dinner. I I lost on purpose just so I can eat. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. quicker if you just answer the next question right? yeah. <laughs> no guys thank you so much for that I really do appreciate it and it's, especially for giving up your time um, in what is I guess a second pre-season for you so best of luck for the season starts of course we'll all be watching and, uh, and yeah fingers crossed some of the games are going to be up in Queensland and we can have have some crowds in and, yeah absolutely and, uh, anyway, I think the new, uh, new restrictions look oh, that could be a real winner Absolutely, and and yeah, maybe you guys will meet in the in the in the finals as well. Who knows? Maybe fingers crossed. Yeah. All the best, Oscar. <laughs> Who knows? You too. Cheers. Thank you. Appreciate and, it. Thanks, Oscar, you. you keep telling it to everyone at Western um, Western United that you're a decent free kick taker, and you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He'll get Diamante off them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can't. I can't say that happening. So <laughs> I'll, I'll let him have him for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Give him a couple more goes, and then yeah. There's no, there's no debate with him, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, yeah, like I said, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. And, and best of luck for the, next, for the next couple of weeks. And Thank you. Speak. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. That was superb, guys. Thank you. All good. Thank you for having us. Really appreciate good. it. Brilliant. Thanks very much for joining us on this little FQ podcast journey. That was the last of our little off-season podcast that we've done. But that's because there's football starting up again real, real soon. And we're going to turn our attentions to that with the MPL, MPL Women's and Football Queens and Premier League seasons all coming up in July. I can't wait for that. And I can't wait for you to watch the matches alongside us. So uh, thanks very much for watching. And we hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back soon with another few podcasts. I have no doubt. But until then, 
We'll see you at the game when the NPL gets back underway. Enjoy the next couple of weeks and we'll see you back at the footy.